Imagine if Jesus was here today preaching this message. Well, it would probably be a lot different. Right? It would be a lot different than sitting here listening to some student pastor. Well, I would probably be leaning in, right, being attentive to, to every word Jesus was preaching. I wouldn't be thinking about what we're going to eat for lunch today or how we're going to spend our stimulus check, praise the Lord. Uh, but no, we would take in each and every word of that message. And then imagine at the end, Jesus is wrapping up the sermon, and he goes to, to close his hands because, I mean, he is the word. He would need the Bible. And then he says a closing prayer, right? And then he prays specifically for you. That would be pretty legit, right? That would be pretty awesome. My name is Stevie Franks. I'm a pastor here at Grace City. And the last few weeks, uh, we, we've been going through the, these prayers of, of Jesus. And, and we, the last few weeks, we've been on this high priestly prayer where Jesus is in his last hours. He is in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, and he knows that his hour is about to come. And so he is praying to his Father in heaven. And this is moments before his friend Judas, his betrayal will, will come to fruition and, and the soldiers will come to arrest him. And he'll be led to his trial and crucifixion and die on a Roman's cross for my sin and for your sin. And then his last kind of few moments, Jesus utters a prayer. A prayer, not just any prayer, a prayer for his disciples and then a prayer for me and for you. Like that's the prayer. So I think it's imperative to this morning that we pay attention to these words that we'll be reading in John 17 because this is literally Jesus getting to pray for me and for you. So let's read it. In John 17, starting in verse 20, Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone, the 12 disciples, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Let's pray. God, I pray this morning as we, we dive into your word and we see uh, the, the truth of, of Jesus' prayer here, of him praying for us as future believers, that you would unify us as a body and that you would speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is this cool passage of Jesus literally praying for us, right? We see here that, that he, he is not praying just for the 12 disciples who last week Matt preached through, through that prayer, praying for his disciples, but now the, the focus shifts, right? It shifts from the 12 disciples, but Jesus says in verse 20, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Man, this is cool, right? That, that we stand here today, 2,000 years after this prayer, because of these 12 men, right? These 12 disciples who were, who were sinners, they were unfaithful, they were broken men just like us, but yet they knew Jesus. They believed he was the Son of God, and they surrendered their lives to him. We're here today through their message, right? Great things, right? Start small. And this should provide us today in 2021 with some grand hope. This should provide us with hope because look what's transpired over these last 2,000 years. I mean, these very men, these 12 disciples, most of them would be put to death before they were even reached old age because of their faith in Jesus. Years later, Christians would be brought out into the middle of the streets of cities and, and literally burnt to uh, set ablaze 
and killed just for fun. Thousands of people would gather in coliseums just to come and watch Christians be brought out and be mauled by lions simply for entertainment. The great Roman Empire would last. Kingdoms would fall. Wars would happen and come and go and genocides would happen. But the church, the church is still here, right? The faithful message of these 12 men is still here. Jesus' church still stands. Like that should give us hope today in 2021, right? The faithful message of these men, that Jesus is praying for us 2,000 years later and his church still stands and nothing can come in its way, right? That no legislative order, no president or government can get in the way of the church. No, you know, uh, changing of what it means to be a man or woman or, or to be married or, or what it means to, you know, live and work. And then none of this, right? That, that we, we feel threatened by many things, but we can take hope today to know that Jesus' church will stand until the day that he comes back for us. And that we can lay hold of that truth. And that gives us hope today in 2021. The church will stand. So Jesus is praying for us, right? Those future men and women who would believe in him through the gospel message of the disciples. And what does he pray? He prays for unity, right? Look in verse 21. He says that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So Jesus prays for the unity of the church, the unity of those who would believe in him throughout the future, right? So that's that's for us. Jesus desires our unity. And here we see that our unity actually shows a picture of the Trinity, right? The Trinity is is this doctrine of of that God is one, right? But God is also three, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that that, uh, three distinct individuals and yet one. But that our minds can't fathom it, that it is a mystery so far beyond us because, because God is so bigger than us. But, uh, it, you know, we just celebrated this past week, St. Patrick's Day, and, uh, you know, great, wear green or you get pinched and all those fun things. And, uh, but but St. Patrick, whose namesake for the holiday, was actually a, actually a missionary to Ireland, and, you know, he sought to convert all these uh, pagan worshipers to Christianity. And he would actually use a three-leaf shamrock to try to teach the Trinity. And, you know, that, that you know, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and yet one. But actually, I, I, you know, I think St. Patrick, he, he, you know, had great intentions. Like, he, he sought what was best. But we actually know that teaching today to be a, a heresy called partialism. That, that we don't use that because that it is saying that, like, you know, each person of the Godhead is one-third God, right? Like the, the three shamrock is like one-third part of the shamrock. But see, but Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit is 100% God. Each one individual 100% God, and yet together also God, right? We, we can't explain it. And this is where, why all metaphors fall short on explaining the Trinity, right? That people use the egg, you know, um, people use water, H2O, people you know, use the sun. Like there's all these different metaphors, but they all fall short because we can't fully grasp the miracle and the, the, the mis- mystery of the Trinity, but we know and we believe that God is three and God is one. And he's good. You know, and, and yet here Jesus is saying something about his church, his people. Our unity teaches, shows a picture of God's unity, God's trinity, right? That, that as we, as God is distinct, right? That three distinct persons and yet one God, that, that us as the church, we're all distinct individuals and we come together 
as a gathering, the ecclesia, as you know, all these different parts, but as one body of Christ. See, Paul would actually teach this truth in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14, where he writes, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So you've probably heard this expression before, right? That we are the body of Christ. And that's the beauty of Jesus' church, right? That each one of us individuals, we, you know, we bring our own gifts. We bring our own passions. We bring our own you know, backgrounds and, and life um, circumstances and, and uh, experiences. And we bring all those, all those together to make up this gathering, to make up the church. And we make up one body. And it shows this picture of the Trinity is one Right, this communion in the Trinity, that the church, we have this unity in this community as well. And that's why it's important for you to be a part of a local church, right? That, that if you weren't here, if you weren't a part of Grace City, we would not be the same because you would not be a part of this body and, and that your strengths and your um, personality and, and what you bring to the table wouldn't be a part of his. So each one of you, each person here, a part of our church is important to the church because we all make up the body of Christ. You know, and, and that's good. And it's difficult though, right? Because we're all different. We bring different maybe worldviews, different experiences, different, you know, um, different political affiliations, whatever that may be. But it's okay. It's, it's completely okay because in our differences, we're still unified in Christ Jesus. We're still unified in our communion with him. And in fact, that I think it's good because if you ever find a church that is exactly like you, if you ever find a church that, that agrees with you on every single thing, don't join it because you will not grow in that church. It, you won't be pushed right uh, beyond your measures. You won't be you know, pushed to think about what you believe, why you believe. Now, now there are certain things right, that we're close-fisted about, right, about who Jesus is, our faith in him, how we're saved, and, and who God is. Like, there's, there's specific things that you know, we, we have to agree on. But all of us are different. And that you bring things that you look at things differently than I do, and, and I look at things differently than you do. And that's okay because through our differences, we strengthen each other to look more like the kingdom of God. And so it's good and great that our church is, is different and we are called to be diverse and we're called to bring our different paths along, ideas along to serve the body of Christ. Because it's in our unity, we show a picture of God's unity in the Godhead. And Jesus goes on to, to speak of our unity in verses 22 and 23 of, of the really the, the purpose, the true purpose of our unified. It's not just to show a picture of who God is, and that's an important part, but read in verse 22. Where he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity. For what reason? To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So there is purpose in God's people in our church being unified. Our unity is important. Why? Because through our unity, we show the world who Jesus is. Right? This is the purpose of the church. Right? Like we gather together each and every week. We come in here, we sing songs, we, we praise God, we, we pray together, we give 
for the mission of God. And, and we, we hear from God's word in order that we might be equipped to walk out these doors and to leave this place in order to help a dying world know Jesus and we join in his redeeming work. Right? That's the purpose of the church. The reason we're unified and brought together is for the mission of God. Like th- that's it. Like That is our purpose. It, our unity is crucial for our mission. And seeing it's so easy to, to get divided. It's so easy to, to let you know, all these things creep into the church and, and, and we lose sight on our mission. And, uh, and, and you know, I would suggest there's a great book by C.S. Lewis uh, called The Screwtape Letters where he, uh, he, it's, it's the, this demon, Screwtape, is assigned to his nephew. Um, he's writing to his nephew, Wormwood, who's assigned to, to torture this human. And we see in the chapter 2 of the book, Actually, his human uh, becomes a Christian. So Wormwood has, has failed. His, his human has become a Christian. But then Screwtape kind of gives him this, this direction to kind of keep him distracted, to keep him, you know, let him go into church, but let him think about all these things about, you know, who's sitting in the pew next to him and how that's his annoying neighbor or, or hearing squeaky boots or whatever, or hearing, you know, somebody seeing out of tune to, to provide all these things, all these distractions to keep him distracted from the true reason he's here to keep him distracted from the true meaning of being a Christian. See, I think that happens so often in our, our lives, in our, our faith. Because see, that Jesus says that the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so for you and for me, like Satan's number one goal for, for us is to keep us from becoming a Christian, right? to keep us from following Jesus. And thankfully for, for most of us, I hope that battle has been lost. We are a follower of Jesus. We have surrendered our lives. We've, we've taken, we've put our trust in him and that his death on the cross became our death and our sins were put on him so that now through his death and his resurrection, we have life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus. See, for most of us, Satan has lost that battle. But he's not done with us yet, no. See, once we become a Christian, Satan doesn't just say, well, I lost this one, let me move on, No. See, I believe that once we become a follower of Jesus, now Satan's goal for us shifts to now making us useless for the gospel, making us useless for the work of God's kingdom. He does that in many ways, right? He, he distracts us um, as, as much as he can with, with, with busyness, right? Like we just get so involved in, in all these things, right? Whether it be just so, you know, involved in sports or our kids' lives and, you know, we're, we're so invested in, in, in them and, and what they're doing and being at the ball fields all the time and, and investing in, in making sure they become, you know, decent citizens of, you know, America and making sure they don't die, right? And that we get so involved in work and, and doing a good job and being a good employee and, and just, you know, providing for our family and, and all these good things, right, that we get distracted and we don't live out our calling for the kingdom of God. He uses busyness. Satan also uses sin to, just, to make us useless for the kingdom. Well, like it's, it's really hard to wake up one morning and, and desire to share the gospel with somebody when that previous night we watched pornography. Or it's hard to go to work and be on mission and thinking about how we can share the gospel and love our coworkers when we just cuss somebody out for for cutting us off in traffic, right? Like when, when we sin and when we fall short, that it distracts us and it takes us away from the kingdom of God. And Satan wants to use that sin to tell us, no, we can't, we can't be faithful to the kingdom. We can't be warriors for Jesus. Like, look at this sin in your life. Right? That's why we run to him. And he just distracts us with good things, right? Like, 
Like, it's okay to, you know, we, we should be great parents. We should be great employers. We should be great, you know, friends and neighbors. But we can just get so distracted by just living life and being a good person that we lose sight on our calling as followers of Jesus. And that's to make disciples of all people and to share the love of God with those around us. Satan wants to distract us. But he also wants to break our church, right? He also wants to distract us as, as the people, as the body of Christ. And one of the main tools he, he uses is disunity, right? And that's specifically what Jesus is praying against right here in John 17. He is praying for the unity of the church so that we would be one and share his hope and his message with those around us. See, the church, when we're broken and there's division in the church, we're not focused on the kingdom. We're not focused on the work of the gospel. And it's so easy, right? It's so easy to let these divisive tools get, creep into our church, right? Whether it's Republican or Democrat or like, I can't believe she voted for Trump or, or how could he support Biden, right? Like we let these divisions creep in or, or, you know, oh, they're a Mississippi State fan or they're an Ole Miss fan or those two people who are Southern Miss fans, right? Or, you know, we, we think about, you know, um, that we let just disagreements, we let differences come into our doors and distract us and break us from the mission that God is calling us to do. Rich or poor, mask or anti-mask, right? Like, it doesn't matter that we have to be one unified body that's focused on the mission that God has given me and you and his church. And Satan wants to break that any way he can. And we see that, you know, that churches are literally broken over the color of the carpet or the style of, of worship or even, you know, I, recently there's been pastors, you know, ran off from their churches because they're either for wearing masks or they're against wearing masks. And it's just ridiculous, right? And that we let these things creep into our church and we lose sight on the very reason that while we gather, we lose sight on the reason that Jesus has called his people and we gather together. Because see, the thing is, where is the priority of kingdom work? Where is our number one goal of, of loving God and loving people and living on mission for him? Where's that priority? The whole reason we're here. Because the reality is that the church isn't for us. The church wasn't made for me or you. And yet we are so easily led to believe that, right? In our kind of consumer culture that we are in, that it's all about what do we get out of church. You know, well, I like to worship here better than there, or he preaches a lot shorter than that guy, so let me go here, or, or you know, they have really cool things in their student ministry or their children's ministry. I'm, I'm going to go here. See, the, the church isn't about us. The, it's okay to have these things. It's okay to have, you know, whatever it may be, but the church is for Jesus, right? That the, the body of Christ is the bride of Christ, and we, we gather together each week for the sole purpose to be encouraged, to be equipped with God's word. And we sing these songs to be built up in our faith and, and to trust Jesus. And when we leave these doors, we leave these doors to be on mission, to be, when we walk out these doors, we're going to war Monday through Saturday in order to help a dying, lost people know the hope of Jesus. That's the purpose of the church. It's not for us, but it's for Jesus and his kingdom. And see, and I, I beg you, I encourage you like, to be a faithful part of a local church. Whether that be Grace City, whether that be another gospel church somewhere else, find a church, dive and invest yourself deep into that church because Jesus is worth it. And it's not easy, right? Because there is no perfect church and Grace City isn't one either. But 
find the local church and give yourself to that because that's the work of the kingdom of God that Jesus is calling us to be. He's calling us to be faithful and to be unified together in that. See, we, we get so focused on on us and what the church gives us and why this people are different than us and this people doesn't agree with me. And so let's create these divisions and it breaks our mission and it breaks our goal of meeting because the church isn't for us. You know, and I wonder and I think about you know, why we, not Gracie, but just a church as a whole, we're not seeing more people being baptized and brought to faith in Jesus. Or we see teenagers and the statistics are horrible, right? That 66% of graduating seniors Go to college and leave the church. Two out of three. We have five graduating seniors this year in, in, at Grace State and Student Ministry. And statistics are not great, right? That 66% will go to college and leave the church. Why? Are we teaching them that church is about them? Church is about what, they, what the church gives them and how it makes them feel? And then when it's not making them feel that way, when, when it's not you know, giving you what you think you want or desire, then you leave. You go find somewhere else or you just don't go at all. And, and we're, what are we teaching our kids? Are we teaching our kids the importance of the body and the gathering of God's people for the sole purpose of being equipped to live out our God-given mission to help others discover life in Christ? That's the whole reason for our gathering. And I pray that you find that, you know, where, wherever that may be, to know that the church isn't for you, but it is for Jesus. And us together, we help each other to live out that mission, to fulfill our calling as a church. Because what's at stake? Souls are at stake, right? It's not about our personal feelings or emotions, but literally our neighbors who are, are living their lives without the hope of Jesus, their lives are at stake. And that's why it is so important and so imperative. And Jesus is praying here a simple prayer, right? What does he say? He says, I pray that they may be one as we're one. That may be brought to complete unity in verse 23. Why? To let the world know that you sent me and have loved me. So let's bring us to complete unity. That Jesus' prayer for us is that we would be unified for our common mission of living for him and showing the world him. And once again, there is no perfect church. Grace City is not one. If you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because you're, you're going to make it imperfect. Right? We're all broken sinners. But together, we're striving together to live out this mission together. So may we, as a church, strive together as one body to help others discover life in Jesus. And this Easter season, we have a great opportunity coming up that, uh, that's going to help us kind of be unified as a body. And that is, we're doing, a, starting today, a 14-day emphasis of prayer. 14 days of prayer. We're starting today, we're asking you to join us and just praying over some specific things each and every day leading up to Easter. And, you know, that um, tomorrow, Monday morning, uh, we'll have a devotion posted on social media led by a person in our church. So for each weekday, there will be 10 devotions over the next two weeks uh, that will draw us closer to Jesus and, and will push us also and give us um, things to pray about as we lead into the Easter season. Right? And the hope for this is that we would be spiritually renewed in the Lord because, I mean, this last year, right, that has taken a toll on us all. And we've all been beat down, broken down, whatever the reason and the cause. But yet Jesus is calling us this Easter season to know that, that he 
is the victor, that he reigns supreme, and that he deserves our focus, our lives, and that he wants to do amazing works through us as we are unified. So that is my prayer as we walk through this 14 days of prayer, that you would be renewed, that I would be renewed, and as a church, we would move together for the gospel as we see our neighbors come to know Jesus, and as we see our people in Grace City be equipped and encouraged to live out their calling and help others join in redeeming work of Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much just for your goodness, your faithfulness to us, and that you give us this amazing calling that we as broken people can be instruments of your grace simply because we've experienced your grace. God, so I pray that you unify us as a church, that our differences and the things that, that um, make us unique, that those aren't hindrances for us, but those are things that bring us together and unify us because we are unified in one mission, and that's your mission. God, so I pray that you help us do that, that we keep our eyes focused on you, and that during this Easter season that you would renew us spiritually, you would equip us, and that you would use us into the world around us to help others know you. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.